It began as a prank and ended with murder. I got my boy here, Gerald, from Two Peas, and we're about to do Fear Street 1994, motherfucker. Get ready. gentlemen, welcome to a very special mini-sode review of the Epic Film Guys podcast. That's right, I have a special guest this week. We're going to be talking about that thing that everyone watched on Netflix over the last weekend here. There's knives, there's blood, there's people getting chopped up. Of course, I would have no one else other than my boy Gerald from Two Peas to join me to talk about this shit. Gerald, what the fuck is up, bro? Justin, what is up, my man? How are you, brother? Thank you so much for having me on for this. I mean, not only am I here with epic film guy Justin, one of my favorite people in the world, but we're talking about a freaking horror movie, man. That's right. So I can't. I mean, does does life get any better? I feel like this is the top of the mountain for me. I don't know that I can come. I don't know if I can go up from here. So, and in nineteen ninety four, in the title, I graduated right. high school in ninety four. That's right. And based on books yeah. that came out when we were younger. Now I'll get to that in a minute. But Stein. I mean. Yeah. Not only that, but yes, a movie that's horror that is based on 90s slashers, which is one of my favorite things in the entire world. But mm. I had to ask, man, because this is based on Arl Stein's classic book series, Fear Street. Were you mm. a fan? Did you read these books at all when you were younger? I didn't. And, oh. you know, I didn't even know this was R.L. Stein until like this week. Like I was just like, holy shit. Now I did... Um, Follow Goosebumps pretty closely, and that you know scared the shit out of me as as a young kid uh, when I was in middle school and stuff like that. But I just didn't know. I didn't read Fear Street back then, and I didn't even realize it was. I don't think they really promoted it a lot as his, unless I just missed it completely when I was watching the trailers and whatnot. But I just found that out recently, and it makes sense after I found out. But no, I did not read these back in the day. I mean, I was too young when these would have been on my radar. I I knew at the time when I'd see the amazing, amazingly illustrated book covers that they were for older teens and I remember seeing them. Mm -hmm. I mean, either I, I'm pretty sure they wouldn't be at the book fair next to the Goosebumps books, but they were somewhere where I would see them <laughs> on a normal basis and be like, oh man, that shit looks creepy. I was definitely, most definitely a Goosebumps kid. Um, can I just say though, for adapting a book series with such beautiful classic artwork, dude, the Photoshop posters used to promote this thing were fucking terrible. Bad Photoshop Thank you. at that. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for saying that. I I hated it all too. I love the trailer. I love I the, trailer. the trailer too. The trailers were cool. They were mixed together really cool. They were edited really nicely. A lot of cool music, which God will get into the music in this movie. Jesus Christ. But in the trailer though, I did like how it was incorporated. But yeah, I'm with you on the posters for this thing. And I'm just like, this is this is what you came up well, with. Well, dude, that and, so and I, just a public service announcement. That. Public service announcement. I mean, as as a Photoshop guru and you know a graphic designer myself, not everything needs fucking neon on it. All right, this is supposed to be 1994 <laughs> i get it if the movie's taking Not place 80s. in the 80s yes malls some yeah. malls and i'll get to this in a little bit later before i get so angry and my head fucking blows off um <laughs> yeah don't do that yet wait for that dude listen <laughs> It's 1994. Not every mall had a ton of neon, but not every there, there was no reason to have like the purples and pinks in the poster. Like it says 1994 on it. Like seriously, like oh the tryhard is at hand here in the strongest way possible. Just saying, man. So yeah, I'm with you, dude. And I, you know, I get I get hung up on that because I'm doing the YouTube now. So I do I have to do the, I have to play the thumbnail game. You know, the little like feature image know. that shows up when you know. So I'm like playing the thumbnail game, and I get hung up and doing the neon and shit because it's like eye catching. But I don't feel like you need to do that for a fucking movie poster that millions of people are going to watch anyway they're not well, dude, they don't need like to be eye popped on netflix in my the opinion, problem so. is is everyone's doing it they're not doing it just for 80s stuff like every fucking tiktoker and youtube person and everything like yeah everyone on instagram they're doing it just because it's like the thing to do it was kind of cool to do back when like fucking you know 
Nicholas Winding Refn did drive and shit, you know? Yeah, that and, works. And, or when, yeah. you know, Adam Wingard did the guest. Like, and I still love that aesthetic because I'm a huge synth wave dude and all that stuff. And that's my style. But it annoys me when everyone just does it just because, like, even Marvel posters right. do it. I mean, like, the new Hugh Jackman movie that's coming out. Like, they they tried to make it look like Blade Runner 2049, the poster. And I'm like, bro, they're, you're yeah, trying they're way too hard. They're oversaturating that. Yeah. They're oversaturating that really cool niche yeah. artwork. I, I agree with you. It, it makes If it's in the 80s or set in the 80s, then absolutely do it. It makes perfect sense. Sure. But I'm glad I'm glad you said that because I don't know if I was the only one that kind of thought. I'm like, why does this fucking look like an 80s poster, but it's 1994? Yeah, so this <laughs> so, yeah. This is uh, first the first installment of three installments being released by Netflix. The second installment being released this upcoming Friday, which is going to be 1978. Uh, this was actually mm-hmm. supposed to get theatrical releases, but alas, much like everything else, COVID fucked that right up. And this yeah. follows... A group of teenagers in Shadyside, Ohio, who are terrorized by an ancient evil responsible for a series of bloody and brutal murders that have been plaguing the town for centuries. Um, this is directed by female director Lee Janiak, who most notably for me, Gerald, as far as I remember, uh, directed some stuff on the MTV Scream series, which did you watch that at all? No, I didn't. I should have because I'm such a huge Scream fanatic. But I'm surprised I, that you haven't it. watched it. Like I've seen it. Okay. Well, I've seen it. I've seen like a couple episodes, but I didn't watch like the whole run or whatever. Okay. So. Yeah. No, I feel you. I mean, like I actually kind of dug it. I mean, it wasn't amazing. It wasn't okay. terrible, but I can see why with her pedigree being able to handle something like that, that they brought her in here, uh, considering this fucking thing and how derivative it is of said title, mm-hmm. but we'll, we'll get into that in a few minutes, but yeah. <laughs> I'm having a hard time not we laughing, will. thinking about it. Cause I'm like, Oh, s- did, skull I, hit, did I hit you up when I watched this? I can't no, remember. you did. You did not I hit was, me up. No. Okay. I was in a group chat with some, some people I think is what it was, but I was just like, um, <laughs> I've seen this before. Oh, you have. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, in, in and I'm sure we'll get into it when you're ready, but I mean, in some respects, I actually like that. I think that's cool. Like, if you want to use the word homage, which, I, which I'm sure has been thrown around when people have been reviewing this film. But on the other hand, I'm just like... Come on, guys. Like, where's the original? Well, well, there's a there's a huge difference. There's a very fine line, my friend, between homage and, yo, we're going to shoot this shot for shot and straight up fucking rip it off. I mean, depending on who you are and how you view that kind of thing, it's going to determine, you know, the end result of your opinion on that. But let me just start off by saying, um, before we get into the actual review of this thing, anyone that knows me, I know you do, or anyone that listens to this show knows that not only am I a nostalgia junkie, I live by nostalgia every day. If I didn't have my daily dose of it, I would literally crumble and die. But I'm also an avid, I would say, hardcore fan of 90s slashers. Scream, I Know What You Did Last Summer, Urban Legend, even Valentine. You name it, and I indulge in it on a level that some would probably consider unhealthy and slightly obsessive. That means, (laughs) from my viewpoint looking at this thing, I was looking at it and dissecting it from a completely different viewpoint than most people probably watching this thing this last weekend on Netflix. So take that and soak that in real quick before we go into this. But so Gerald, it starts off at a mall. Did you watch? (laughs) I hate to interrupt you. Did you watch uh, Stranger Things? Of course. With Maya Hawk, by the way. Of course. We reviewed every season on the episode, guys. So this is Star Court Mall, right? I mean, this is basically the same mall, I feel like. It it, 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 it looks like the same mall. I don't know. It's it's actually North DeKalb Mall. Uh, It it is in Georgia. That's the same same place where the Star Court Mall was. I don't know if it's the same mall. I did not look into that. But for all my dead maulers out there, um, I know it's located in Atlanta, Georgia, and that most of the mall is a dead mall and that they actually had to uh, build some of the the fronts of the stores. And yes, they fucking added neon. Just because neon looks cool, there's that fallacy again. Ladies and gentlemen, for someone that knows a lot of dead mall history, I'm letting you know right the fuck right now that by 1994, a mall would probably be remodeled by that point if it unless it was completely outdated and they left it but neon was not in every single mall as much as i'd mm-hmm. love to believe that you didn't walk in and see neon everywhere with pink and purples and blues a lot of malls at that point were brown and had lots of dead green 
plants all over the fucking place. Right, like natural, yeah. like natural colors yeah. and whatnot. Yeah, but, I, I just wanted to mention that because I thought it was funny that Maya Hawks in this so prominent in this first scene, and she was the star of that season of Stranger Things, and I felt like she just basically got off work at the ice cream shop yep. and then came over. Here yeah, I mean, so jumping right in with this, she works at a bookstore. She checks somebody out. This customer obviously is disgusted by horror, and mm-hmm. she gets a phone call. Yeah, of course she does. Of course she does. And then she's trying to leave, and someone else that is at the mall is going to you know, get her a ride out of there. And what happens? Hijinks ensue, the mayhem occurs, and from there, Gerald, we hear a score immediately reminiscent mm-hmm. of John Debney's I Know What You Did Last Summer theme, and then Marco Beltrami's original score for Scream. And you know what, Gerald, there's a really good reason for that. Marco Beltrami actually fucking worked on the score for this fucking movie. I'm like, dude. He did. He did. Did they did they say, hey, Marco, listen, it'll be an easy few hours. Just do a half-assed version of what you did in the first scream for us. We have the ah, Dude, yes. chorus and everything, and it's ding, 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 yes. ding. Just one note off, the little piano in the beginning. I'm like, oh, man. whoa, you just mixed the – oh, that's what you I, did. I'm so glad that you're bringing up these subtle points because as I'm watching it, and um, Paul from The Countdown, you know from Australia, actually told me about – Beltrami's involvement with this score, which I didn't know at the time, and I had made a comment, Jesus Christ, guys, like, this is literally the same music from Scream, basically, you know, and he's like, well, same composer or whatever, so I'm like, okay, well, well maybe listen, that's a little well, bit listen, of a pass dude, then, but... Beltrami did the score for A Quiet Place Part 2, but you didn't hear any fucking notes from Scream that's in that. That's true. You know damn well they're like, yeah. again, it's the same thing, you know, hey, I want something that sounds like fucking Batman. Yo, Danny Elfman, you available? Right. It'll take a few hours, dude. Just make it sound like that, you know? Use your fucking... Right. The that you you know threw in the trash for that movie i'm fine with it though because in the end after scream every single 90s slasher tried to do a score like scream beltrami when he scored the first scream for a little history that was his first horror score he had ever done so when he did that he was fresh to it and then that sound was kind of originated based on that score that he did so everything else that Mm -hmm. came out you know i know you did last summer urban legend all of them, the faculty, you name it, any teen horror movie at the time, uh, you know, tried to kind of tried, tried, tried to basically ape that. So I was cool with it. But as soon as I heard those few notes, I'm like, whoa, OK, dude, you're really starting right off the bat being pretty close there. But, dude, so we have the chase. We have the first chase within the mall. And, mm-hmm. dude, I got to say, black light posters and stores that carry mm-hmm. Halloween masks, man, brings me right back to the good old days at Spencer Gifts, man. I used to work yeah. at a Spencer's back in the, the early 2000s. And, man, I miss those days. So that really hit me in the fucking and gave me that nostalgia boner for a few minutes. I was like, oh, man, OK, I'm cool with you having the neon because you put like a thousand fucking black light posters up. And it really yeah. gave the scene some great atmosphere when she when she runs into that novelty store. I guess that's supposed to be like a, a fake Spencer's or whatever. Um, or right, or right. one of those random like mom and pop like music stores with like, you know, random hippie shit incense that you would buy with your friends or maybe a, a glass pipe if you're going to try and smoke some weed. But my, <laughs> my issue with the beginning of the, the opening is like, you know, she grabs the phone next thing you know we see skull mask which yes ladies and gentlemen instead of ghost face this character is named ghost mask and i i do have to say right <laughs> off the bat i do love the mask and i do love the character design yeah it was cool um, yeah by christopher nelson who is the same man that brought back the shape in 2018 halloween he's a brilliant fucking artist he's worked on a million movies but i mean literally you're gonna call him skull mask so yeah he's basically ghost face with like a slightly different costume um same knife same look same silhouette same everything yeah well look i mean it looks great and we're just talking about this opening right now so and by the way i guess you should tell everyone spoilers obviously because we're just going to talk about this thing right oh we're not gonna you're everyone that's listening spoiler, to this about, spoilers ever. by the time that they're probably already watching the second episode by the time they listen to this but yes spoilers yeah, i just didn't want to be the spoilers. asshole that spoiled something oh no yeah, I'm, spoilers, i am that so. asshole i am that asshole i don't do it on the, i don't do it on social <laughs> media or on the internet but i do it on this show so they know like oh just oh, nice, probably like nice. four drinks deep and he's gonna fucking tell the whole movie but yeah I mean, that's that's what it's justin's be. on brand again this week oh, <laughs> nice I'm, well yeah. i mean what i was gonna say is i mean you, you know, look, I, I mean, it looks great. I mean, it, it's a really cool shot opening sequence. And it is nostalgic for people like me and you and a lot of, you know, horror aficionados that love those 90s slashers because we're obviously going to immediately be like, okay, this is 
for for all intents and purposes, basically a shot by shot remake of the opening of Scream. It, <laughs> Except it, in, it, instead it of being in her house, it's in a mall, and you know she receives the phone call, and the <laughs> only thing that we didn't hear is what's your favorite scary movie. And I mean, they could have thrown that in there uh, if they wanted to, I guess. But it was a very similar like narrative, right? That played out in the opening scene. There's some chase. There's some hiding. Uh, you know, there's her kind of eluding the killer, and like you know, you already mentioned the similarities in the costume. And then when he chases her down in the mall to give her the ultimate stab that ends up killing her it's literally the exact same it's shot for shot sh- shot that we get in scream in the opening so what i wanted to say though what i thought was perhaps could be categorized as genius a little bit on the part of the of the filmmaker here is that it's nostalgic in that respect for me and you because we're obviously going to remember one of our favorite slashers and that it is basically you know however you want to put it copying that but, but then for a new audience they perhaps have never seen scream you know so like if you look at like the tiktok crowd and like the millennials today that might like horror movies but they weren't around in the 90s like they don't give a shit look at about Gerald. the 90s they look don't at know Gerald anything about it bringing a fair point into the conversation so, look at him now i'm not saying it i'm not saying i like that necessarily but i'm saying an argument can be made no but it's true it's true man it's true that was a genius technique because you're going to grab people with nostalgia from movies like scream and last summer and then you're going to have these this new audience that maybe this is the first time they're seeing this kind of shtick that we saw in 96 and beyond so in that respect i feel like it was genius on their part and it does look really beautiful it was shot really well and i love obviously the mall aesthetic oh of and course, i love man. maya hawk you know maya hawk is basically drew barrymore in this in this scenario well, yeah, because that she's was... the biggest name in this movie and well they attempted to do yeah. a drew barrymore with maya hawks heather and sh- or should i say a janet lee rather by mm-hmm. having her killed off first yes but unfortunately the only issue with that my friend is it happened so quick and without a proper build-up that it lacked any real mm-hmm. impact for me i mean most definitely well, that was the main yeah, yeah most overall no- that was the main issue with this movie for me yeah, most i mean overall good character development it's just nowhere near the impact its predecessors had i mean obviously maybe you're correct in saying maybe the millennials maybe the younger people that saw stranger things and that was their introduction to this kind of genre they're like oh i know who it is but like listen when scream came out you know what i'm talking about dude drew barrymore was huge a gigantic right. name so having her on the poster and like a way bigger deal killing her off first because of the way it happened in her performance and the build-up to it i mean it's just not even remotely close to being the I same agree. thing and i and i, I know agree. why they did it and i do agree with you i mean i have a hard time differentiating here it being a love letter or homage versus it being a straight ripoff because i did read that they straight up i mean if you look at it i have the the screenshots right in front of me the phone the angle's the same her on the phone the angle's the same her running away from the killer the same angle the angle with the killers looking down at her exactly the same the angle on her on the ground the blood in her mouth same angle so it's like Mm -hmm. I guess maybe if you haven't watched Scream as many times as you and I have, or maybe mm-hmm. other people that listen to this show who just watched it like last fucking week, even though there's a new 4K Ultra HD coming out in a few months, you're like, dude, I just saw it. Like, I think maybe to your point, like people that grew up with Scream and haven't seen it in a while, that would work on like, whoa, that seems familiar. Wow, I really like that. Right. And that's that j- quick there- jolt to get them interested in this movie. And there's a bit of somewhat, I don't even know if pride is the right word, because obviously, you know, we weren't involved in the making of screams i don't know if pride's the right word but there's like a a sense of pride almost that like these new filmmakers do like are so influenced by those works of art you know like i really do like that i really do like when young talent where you can like see the obvious influence of filmmakers you know like you can tell if somebody's influenced by carpenter by the way you know the point of view shot might be might be shot through the lens or whatever and i just i really do like that i think that's cool you know my daughter's in film school so she makes these short films it's always really really cool for me to try to pick out like who I can tell that she's really a fan of and who whose technique she really likes to borrow and use you know what I mean and then one of the biggest filmmakers in the world Quentin Tarantino you know always gets accused of you know stealing content and copying content and like you know it's his movie you know it's Tarantino's movie but he'll borrow from you know old kung fu cinema and stuff like that so there's something to be said for it I just remember as I was watching it since we're critiquing this movie in particular you know as I was watching this opening scene i just remember thinking man this is literally scream i mean (laughs) it's literally the opening of scream it 100 is i mean and then like so flash forward a little bit here after the uh, the first murder we get and it had some impact i mean other than it being exactly identical to scream and being cool the neon and in a retro looking mall obviously that's literally me like this is made for me 
And I was like, okay, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you points for that. We move on to our main character, Dina, played by Kiana Madeira, and we get the first of what will be a hundred fucking needle drops in this movie. Now, just stay along with me here. Okay, real quick. What better needle drop to start off with, with this segment and our, our main character than garbage only have it when it rains. But listen, I I just want to make you very aware of this here. (laughs) (laughs) Director Lee Janik was a teenager in 1994. And apparently from what I read, she drew from her own personal experiences and inspiration because she was a teenager in 1994. You'd think Mm -hmm. she'd know none of these fucking songs came out in 1994. This song yeah, came out was- in 1995. Later, we're going to hear White Zombies More Human Than Human. 1995. Fire started by the Prodigy. 1996. You yeah. think they could have just called this thing like Fear Street, name whatever year in the 90s, or Fear Street well, 1990. Well, they really could have. Yeah, I was going to say they really should have just called it Fear Street Part 1 and not really told us what the year was, you know? Um, well, well, yeah, they that had, was really they, annoying to they me. They just too. had to let people know because obviously these these segments are labeled the by the year. Like, but dude, right, seriously, right. if she was a teenager in that year, I mean, was 94? You tell me you're a music expert. I know you are. Was 94 really mm-hmm. that bad of a year for iconic songs? I know 95 was great and 96 was great, but... Was 94 no, that I shitty? Feel like, I they don't couldn't think find so. any I mean, I don't... good songs for Needle Drop because there's like 100 Needle Drops <laughs> in this. I mean, they play Radiohead's Creep oh, at ridiculous. some point, but I mean, like, and they Radiohead's play Cypress Creep, Hill. It opened, with, uh, it opened with Closer by Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. There's a Soundgarden later yeah. on. I mean, there's a ton of. I, I mean, I was told a friend of mine, I was like, this movie, and Lois also liked this, but I said that this movie, Fear Street, made Cruella sound like a silent film. I mean, there were so many goddamn Needle Drops in this. Uh, it put all other movies with Needle Drops to shame. I mean, it was crazy. Now, with that being said, it's a fucking banging soundtrack. Like, there's some great songs in this movie. My, That's the good. The bad is, is that they really overdid it. I mean, there was no need, especially in the first act, because, like, it was just sensory overload for me. And I love 90s music, even. So, Dude, anytime, imagine, anytime I go on a long road trip with the wife, we literally will find, like, 1990s rock hits playlist on iTunes or 1990s yeah, yeah. alternative or one of those or whatever genre we're in the mood for. And throw it on if we're gonna go traveling for like four hours on the road because but but yeah i mean like dude well, I, I was just yeah i was just gonna say it was so weird because it was like so many in the first act when we're int- getting introduced to all these characters that are gonna be pivotal in the movie or victims further on in the movie and we're kind of getting introduced to all of them it was like they all had their own like song it was weird like you know what i mean like we would be seeing dina and you mentioned only happy when it rain when it rains and then we would see her brother and like i can't remember what song played when he maybe it was cypress hill at that point and he gets introduced and we hear his song you know and then somebody else gets introduced at school we hear their song and it's like every new character we got had their own song did you notice that yeah i mean it was like it was almost like 20 like needle drops it was almost like they knew that the characters were so weak and paper thin that they're like let's just put 90s music behind them because people will like it and make us make them forget about how bad they're I'm i'm not saying that writing was all bad but Listen, okay, not a single one of these fucking characters in this movie, and we'll get to it throughout the line, but is anywhere near remotely as interesting as any character in the worst 90s slasher. But um, the one thing that I do love seeing, and it's one of my favorite characters in the entire movie, Josh, Dina's brother, sitting there. Do you Mm -hmm. remember the days? I mean, I spent so much time. I loved this bit of nostalgia. Sitting there on AOL Instant Messenger, trying to get laid. That Good was shit, it. Right? That's That's it. There was no there. texting. You didn't have a cell phone. Most kids did that were rich, but you didn't have one. Especially not 1994, you know? And yep. You're sending the message, just hoping it gets read, hoping you get a response. Yeah, that was the that, best. I was like, okay. All right, dude, that, that little bit of nostalgia, you know, peaked my pee-pee a little bit. A little bit, got a little hard, yeah, got a little hard was, there. There was good, yeah, there was good stuff throughout the movie in that respect from a nostalgia standpoint. I mean, you know, I was, I even have better memories, like, or I should say, like, more vivid memories of the 90s than I do the 80s. I was born in 75, so I graduated high school in 94, you know, the year this supposedly takes place. Wow, so you so, should be, you should be a fucking expert on what was or wasn't during this time period. I'm going to hold you to that. I didn't even realize. Yeah. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah. Here we go. Go. Yeah, man. So, so 90, 90s for me is where the bulk of like my memories that still exist. You know, now I was smoking a lot of weed in 94, 95, 96, and you know, early college years. So they might be a little hazy, but I thought that like authenticity wise, I thought they did pretty good. You know, the, the needle drops that we mentioned already, you had a few that you pointed out there. Almost all of I them, you mean? <laughs> yeah, I didn't. Yeah, right. I didn't like Google them and look them up, but I remember thinking like, this is a little off. Like, I don't know that this song w- 
was out when I was well, in high uh, well, school. And like, you know, you know I confirmed yeah, that later. Yeah. But I mean, like, as soon as I heard more human than human, I knew for a fact that it didn't come out in 94 because I remember getting the CD in fifth grade. So that, that, that led me like, oh, wait a minute. These songs are a little bit later. And then obviously when I heard Firestarter, I yeah. literally got up and had to go to the bathroom. I was so mad because I, I didn't get that yeah, album. I hate that. I got that album in 97, that. actually. I didn't get it in 96, Fat of the Land. But I was yeah. like, I get it. But the young people won't know. But actually, if right. they're smart, they will. And they'll go, why the fuck did you play that? Oh, again, was 1994 that bad of a year? But moving along from the music, yes, that's fine. The score, the all right, let's, oh, okay. So <laughs> we, 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 we do. I'm trying to gauge. I want you to know I'm trying to gauge because I know how much of a lover you are of this genre and of 90s slasher. So I'm kind of trying to gauge your overall, like, not score really, but just like how you feel. Well, I mean, like. I don't know. I feel like you're a little up and down on it, well, which I kind of am too. I, I think I kind of have to be. But a moment later, we get our first shot into the high school and we have what mm. is the quintessential 90s slow motion shot down a hallway with all the lockers to the mm. side. And we see the mm. love interest walk by. Yeah. And I love that the shady side school mascot is a fucking witch. So then I'm like, oh, yeah. okay. You just fucked me over a few minutes ago. Now you got me back on your good graces again. So I was like, okay. Uh-huh. And we, we, we meet kind of like the central group of characters that we're going to be following for the whole rest of the movie. We've got Dina. You know, we've got Josh, who's her little brother, who is like this weird nerd kid who sits on AOL and some messenger and knows everything about serial killers and the history of the town. We've got Simon, who is definitely a druggy kid. And let me just tell you right now, mm. Simon would never have had this fucking haircut in 1994. He would have had a Devin Sawa fucking bowl cut. OK, that's what kids had in 1994 yeah. in high school. They didn't have this yeah. quaff like curly parted to the side it looks like i got it styled by this expensive hairstylist down the street no it wasn't yeah that, that was like a 2000s that was like a 2000s very much so yeah. very much so and then we have yeah, yeah. dina's random bitchy i sell drugs to little kids friend kate so oh right uh-huh so, yeah kate and don't forget sam her love interest well we don't meet her yet we see her later no, no, that's we, right. when they go to She's the, at the rival spot. That's that's, that's right. correct. But so we meet this central group of characters in a bathroom, which I really like because in high school, that's where we all hung out. That's where we smoked cigarettes. That's where we were like cause trouble and get kicked out of. And I would I would write shit on the, the locker walls and I would write shit on the bathroom walls and cause trouble. So it, it that was accurate. Yeah, that or under the bleachers or both. But yeah. Yeah. So I say so. So then moving along, obviously they go to the rival town which is the devils sunnydale Mm -hmm. and they're there for what seems to be like some kind of memorial for all these deaths correct me if i'm wrong why they all wear their football uniforms i didn't understand that i thought they were going there to play a game like (laughs) she's in her band like why is everybody their football uniforms like yeah what's going on here i was expecting to see like a football game or something or like a rally but no they just like stood there in their uniforms it was for my it was for maya hawks um yeah you know i guess memorial service or whatever um, but yeah, I was confused too, because I'm like, okay, they're going to, this rival team or whatever, we're going to, we're going to get some kind of football montage, which actually may have been pretty cool. If you're doing that, type. Nick would be Nick Haskins, the epic film guy, Nick would be like shitting himself. Like, oh my God, you reference varsity blues. You, if you're going to reference every other nineties fucking movie, I know you should have referenced know, that Var- varsity didn't. blues is one of the best. Seriously. So they should have just had, dude, they should have just had a fucking, uh, all kinds of shit. <laughs> They should have just had <laughs> somebody with Vanderbeek's head yeah. on a fucking stick or something. Or I don't know. Like, but yeah, it, but it wasn't. Even though they were dressed for a football game, it was awake. So I don't know. It was kind of weird. But yeah. yeah. Creepy and strange. Yeah, we, we traveled 30 <laughs> miles out of town for a wake. But yeah, sure. But she sees her ex and it's obvious. It's obvious that it's her ex. And was the fact that the girls were in a romantic relationship supposed to come off as a surprise because they first have the male character in the forefront of the shot? Uh, You tell me. I was like, "Uh." yeah, I mean, it wasn't very surprising when it happened. I don't know. I guess if you and I mean, I don't know. I'm literally speaking hypothetically and just kind of spitfalling. But I, I guess if you were of the mindset of 1994, would it have been surprising? So if you were seeing this play out in 94 uh, or even seeing this movie in the 90s like instead of seeing it in 2021 then and, you know because the optics were different back then then maybe it would have been a little bit more surprising because you just didn't see that as often back then but now you know which i think is great you see it all the time so 
I don't. It wasn't a surprise to me personally. I kind of was like, okay, yeah. But I, I just feel like the way that they're trying to introduce the character is the way that she's right. she's peering from afar, like, oh, it's going to be the dude. Um, and you obviously yeah. know it's not. And then they meet, and she's upset. And I mean, there's nothing more '90s than someone about to destroy a mixtape, you know, that you made for your lover, <laughs> your teenage That's lover. Right. But you know, when they talk about her being scared to tell anyone she was gay, I'm like, of course she would be scared to tell anyone that she was gay. It was 1990 fucking four back then. I mean, especially if you're a teenager, dude, I used to get riled up and people used to throw me up against lockers just because I would, again, like right now I got purple fucking hair back then. It's the same thing. I'd get beaten. You're gay. Even though I dated every girl in school. Sure. I'm gay. Whatever. Go ahead and Mm -hmm. go ahead and whack me one. Um, Mm -hmm. I like that there's representation in the movie. Obviously I do feel that I was going to mention that. I do feel that at times it feels like it's coming off as a little bit forced, but that's like everything now. I mean, that's yeah. And I wonder to your point, and I'm not saying I disagree with you, but to your point, I also wonder if that's the disconnect from these characters that we had as the audience. Like I was never really invested in their relationship. I was never invested in these characters. You know what I mean? I could see, you know, a lesbian relationship in another movie and be fully invested in the relationship and pulling for them and, and crying when they break up and doing all kinds of that kind of emotional shit if I'm able to be sold on it by the actors and by the performances. And especially at this point in the movie that we're covering right now. Yeah. I just wasn't I just wasn't there. Like it felt like a bit of a shtick as opposed yeah, to it, it, like something I was supposed to be involved in. You very know? unnatural in that whole line. Right. It's not your future if you're pretending to be someone else. I was like, okay, you're gonna go there. It's okay. Mm-hmm. I get it. I mean they're, they're just gonna force it down your throat a little bit. But um we can get further into this relationship the more we go down the line on the review but I I definitely felt like at the forefront obviously we had already heard in the bathroom you know you broke up with this person she's obviously beaten up by it she's you know depressed about it whatever it may be but there wasn't really enough initial push in the chemistry between the two or I just didn't feel like the chemistry was there in the acting. Now, obviously, throughout the movie, that does build a little bit, a tiny little bit. It almost gets you there. Um, But I don't know, man. I just didn't really feel it there. And then, of course, like, there's this whole town rivalry that happens immediately thereafter. Then, like, the most asinine, like, nonsensical thing happens. Now, I get it that, like, this movie takes place and there's, like, basically an evil fucking spirit that's taking you know, mm-hmm. hold of people that are killing random people that, you know, whatever, we're going to go there. But it's really like there's no coach, no responsible adult on this fucking school bus while these yeah. kids are riding behind him. Like literally like yeah. any responsible school bus driver would just like pull over. And, and yes, this is me trying to find logic in like a slasher fucking yeah. throwback. But I was like, yo, that really there's there's this girl's like yelling on the bus and they're screaming and like talking about killing people. And like there's literally no adult on the bus. Like, who's driving this fucking bus? Where's the driver? And then, like, all of a sudden, like, you know, uh, fucking Dina opens the door. She gets a nosebleed. And then she's like, yo, I'm going to toss this fucking three-day-old Gatorade on this shit. Chucks the fucking, (laughs) the the goddamn shit at the car. And then all of a sudden, Hugh Jackson happens and they stop. So I'm like, okay. Yeah, I didn't think about that until you just mentioned it, but you're right. Like, where the fuck were all the adults? Yeah. Even, uh, even, I guess that, I guess that was a thing, though, with these teen movies. Well, I mean, even, there always seems to be adults missing at the, well, there's not a single adult in this entire fucking movie aside from, like, you know, the shitty, shitty police department. But again, if you look back to the old, older movies, this is referencing there were barely any adults around, but they did put them in places when they needed to be there. It would have been fine to have, like, a a dumb coach, like, spouting off at the mouth being stupid or maybe too drunk to notice or something. driver or yeah. the driver but i was yeah. like oh okay little little detail there that kind of annoyed me a little bit i was like oh, okay whatever fine and then the accident happens and then her ex is like seeing visions and then we learn that mm. she's seeing visions for a reason here <sighs> she's basically seeing visions of this age old centuries old fucking evil that's been a part of this town forever that it seems like no one really talks about like it's just kind of a given thing like yeah cool we live in this town where like ever so often like a mass killer comes out and just starts brutally murdering people and we don't really care about that our parents let us let us stay here and live in this town yeah i mean (laughs) that was one thing that i was kind of like what but i guess because even when like ryan you know was killed in the beginning and um 
Heather in that opening scene and they're talking about it. Even then, they're just kind of like, yeah, you guys know what this is. It's time again or whatever. And then Josh, the young kid who's doing all the research online, he he has the lowdown, so he knows. And it's just like they all just kind of know and it's just kind of like their way of life, which is kind of weird if you think about it. Like, I feel like if the adults and the parents were in the picture, they would be fucking leaving town. Do you know what I mean? But I guess everybody's just kind of okay with existing in this reality where this happens every so Well, often, dude, I'm so. telling you right now, dude, I would love to be Dina and Josh's dad. Apparently, he's such a fucking drunk. He's never at home, nor does he care about his kids at all. I'd love to be as drunk as he is right now. Seriously. Because, <laughs> like, they mentioned, like, he's, he's an alcoholic. I'm like, you don't see that motherfucker for the entire movie. Like, is, dude, is he seriously uh, at the bar? Like, how drunk is I, he? Yeah. Dude, I went there this morning. I'm there again all day and all night. I'm just sleeping here. Two days in a fucking row. He's just there. I'm like, damn it, dude. Fuck, man. These kids are just ordering pizza and shit and having a blast yeah. and killing people. Doing and big. Yeah, I'm like, I want to yeah. I want to be him. Like, obviously, of these movies, like, you have to remove adults in some way, shape, or form. But usually there's an explanation other than, like, oh, your dad's a big drunk. Yeah. They could have just showed yeah. him at the bar, like, hammered or something. Okay, there it is. That, that That's why he's, like, not existent. But I was like, oh, damn, you know? Yeah. Now, if he's out of town on a business trip or something. There, I mean, yeah, there it is. There it is. There's a reason. They could have done anything. Thing, but yeah, I guess they were just kind of lazy in that respect. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I'm not sure if you're aware of this or not, but like little details like this bother me, Gerald. All right. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess it's cool now. Like all the hipsters, all the kids that shop at Forever 21, like I've got a bunch of them myself. But, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, like wearing retro shirts of retro bands. I'm like, I don't think people realize like. But there weren't a ton of kids in 1994 wearing Iron Maiden shirts. Like you could, you could not find an Iron Maiden shirt at Dispenser Gifts, and like whatever random music store was at your mall or whatever, you weren't finding Maiden shirts. So like you didn't hear any Maiden needle drops in the movie. So why are you putting a Maiden shirt on the little brother? Yeah, I was like, okay. Yeah. I mean, it says like I think I think it's like the album Death or something to do with the album Death or whatever. But I was like, okay, so you're gonna put that on him? Yeah, I didn't have. I mean, I had some friends that had like the Iron Maiden shirts and like the metallic and megadeth t-shirts those those like, ones yes were, those ones are very popular i remember they i remember they were always like super colorful and like it just really stood out in a crowd i never owned any of those because i was more into like the grunge side of rock back then but i didn't i didn't think about it but i guess you're right that's kind of a weird placement for especially for the different kinds of you would expect it like a like maybe a Radiohead t-shirt well dude he, he was like listening that. to white zombies so i'm like yeah there's a zombie shirt there's plenty of white zombie shirts that would relay the message right. or image of death to the viewer but i was like oh you're gonna give him a maiden shirt maiden at that mm. point wasn't even like in the zeitgeist it wasn't even a popular thing really metallica yes 100 mega death uh, all i saw in 94 was fucking green day and fucking nirvana shirts you know that was the year that that's true that kurt died so i mean like that's all you saw kids wear that's just one of the things i'm like sitting here picking apart like the fucking shirts they're wearing and shit and i'm like oh that plot who cares about that who cares about character but i mean so moving along, we obviously get them back in their homes and we see an obvious homage to Halloween with Skull Mask standing in the backyard and Dina seeing him out mm-hmm. the window. It's like frame by mm-hmm. frame, just another yep. homage shot. And I'm sitting yep. here, Gerald, and I'm looking at my watch, man. And this is always me because they're not playing by the rules here. The slasher mm-hmm. rules are you get a death at least every 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. They ain't doing it. What's going on? No, but they, well, I agree with you. And I actually thought the same thing. I wasn't timing it on my watch, but I was thinking just abstractly, like it's been a minute here, you know, it's been a while, but I will say, and I know we'll get there eventually, but I will say in the second half of the film, they do kick it up a notch. Oh yeah. They they might, they might make up some ground there a little bit, but also I just want to point out real quick that this scene that you're talking about with him uh, lurking in the backyard, so to speak, I did appreciate a lot more than the opening to this movie. I thought that that was a, subtle nod to uh, a horror classic as opposed to a just straight up blatant copy of a classic. So I did appreciate this little almost like Easter egg type situation that we got here with the Michael Myers kind of like shout out. So I just wanted to point that out. I didn't hate this nearly as much as the original. No, I mean, or I, I'm sorry, the opening scene. No, I mean, I actually really liked it. I was like, okay, yeah, me give too. me more of this because I was getting so bored and dragged along uh, by the dialogue. I was just like, just give me something. Like, bring him back, right. show a knife, show some blood or something because you know I get that the Fear Street books were definitely teen oriented and directed towards a teen reader and that was you know it was for teens so you were supposed to be interested in what they were doing and this is based on teen characters. So I get it. I'm not a teenager anymore, even though I still act like it. But I was like, dude, give me, <laughs> dude, seriously, like, give me something else 
to latch on to. I mean, even the first scream, like, you know, we, we see Sid getting attacked already within the first 30 minutes of the movie. So we've got that first mm-hmm. o- amazing opening kill. And then, you know, it builds, it builds. And I, I wanted this to do the same. If you're going to homage the 90s slasher, do it right. Because those always were, if anything, you can say what you want about them in, in terms of criticizing them, but they always were built properly to build some kind of suspense and forward momentum. And that's what means the most to me in this genre is that you build, you got to raise the stakes constantly or I'm not going to give a fuck about any of these one note characters at all. Um, or it's not going to make me want to see them get murdered anymore. Like that's the other thing. Like none of the characters in this, and we could talk about it at the end if, if you want or now, none of them were unlikable enough for me to go. I hate them. I want to see them get killed now. But none of them were either yeah. like likable enough for me to go. Oh, please. I hope they live. Yeah, my absolute number one issue with Fear Street and why it, it's getting dropped down in terms of like my overall enjoyment and rating and stuff like that is because of 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 the character, the lack of connection to the characters. And what you just said is also a, per- a prime example for that. So I don't care if these characters survive and I don't care if they die. <laughs> like, I literally don't give a shit about what happens to any of them in this movie, which is really weird. I mean, I would think the only one I would maybe even like remotely be somewhat connected to would be Josh, you know, because he kind of like was probably most like me on AOL Messenger, like we mentioned, and the music he was listening to. And, you know, he was like studying like serial killers and shit. So like, you know, he was quirky enough to where I could kind of connect to him like remembering myself at that age or whatever but I just didn't care you know and that's really really unfortunate because if you look at a movie like Scream which is obviously modeled after at least the first half of it I mean you immediately are connected to like four or five different characters like and you're just like I have to know what happens to them I have to know you know who did this to them and like you want to know you want them to survive you're invested you're 100% invested exactly and in this movie you're just not and I don't I mean you you maybe complain the writing you maybe could blame the performances maybe a little bit of both I'm not sure but and I know there's a lot of people that are really high on this movie well that that's great I just personally just couldn't connect to anybody outside of Josh in this movie personally well, I, I'm not I'm not on the other side altogether but so we move forward Dina and the, the gang want to go to the hospital her bow is there her ex-bow and uh so then shit starts to hit the fan I'm like okay finally yeah. you give me something to hold on to another kill and we get a hospital too which is which is cool yeah we um, get we get like kind of uh, a quasi Halloween too um and the kill yeah. again well it's a kill but it's right out of scream right through the gut basically the same <laughs> type of knife but I'm happy to see some blood in the middle of this boring ass dialogue I'm having to sit through. So I'm like, okay. And then it moves along even further. And they 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 start to actually build some suspense in this scene. And I'm like, okay, cool. Shit's starting to hit the fan. They look over and, and, and obviously like a nurse or someone working there has their throat slashed. I'm like, okay, great. You're giving me the goods. This is what I want. Yeah, we get a run here at this, and then at we this get, part of the movie. Dude, tell me that knife in the throat with Skull Mask doing the head tilt, or should I say mm-hmm. Ghost Face doing the head tilt, wasn't the best <laughs> thing you'd seen up until this point. I was like, yes. Yep. yep, yep, that was another one. Another little subtle thing where you're just like, oh, fuck yes, dude. Thank you so much. You know, it's very similar to him lurking in the backyard before, you know, 15, 20 minutes before this. I love those little subtle things that are like obvious to me and you, but other people that have seen Halloween like maybe once or twice twice would be like I think that's kind of like you know what I mean it, it was cool in that respect so I did I did really really like that too yeah so then like then we get them leaving they steal an ambulance to try to run away and mm-hmm. I was like I'm looking at the town man I'm like you know they definitely nailed they captured that like small town look and feel that like in the town mm-hmm. the, definitely one of the towns I grew up in and the towns you would see in like a Woodsboro or that type of yeah in those movies like it feels like you could walk down the street past the hardware store and you're gonna you go to the local movie theater and after you're going to get ice cream and you can walk home afterward. It's that quintessential, like, you know, Midwest small town. And, and I really liked the look of the movie and I liked that town. Then we get, <laughs> then we get a crazy ass goth girl basically slashing a dude with an old-timey razor, Ruby Lang. Oh, she's singing. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and this chick is apparently from 1965. She's part of the legacy of this town and the long string Mm -hmm. of killers that the town has known since 1666. Um, I had hoped that this segment would be a little more creepy, a little more scary, but 
it kind of just comes off as a random homeless chick sitting on the corner who needs a needle in her arm. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I, I think, because you would think this would be a little bit more kind of like asylum type vibe with this character, you know, where it is a little creepy, like you put it. And But in this, she just kind of wanders into the scene and just kind of does her thing, which is weird. There's, again, no buildup for this. It just kind of happens, and you're either into it or you're not. You know, I liked it. I liked that character. I like, I guess you could say, like, her singing the old-timey music is kind of creepy as she's killing you. <laughs> uh, I mean, that would be kind of creepy, you know, if you were the victim in that respect and like her husband was, I guess. But I don't know. I'm with you, man. It just kind of happened, which is kind of weird. Yeah, it just happened out of nowhere. And then, of course, I swear to God, he got the razor to his leg. Am I right in saying that? I saw that happen? Or was I? I mean, I was sober when I watched this. So I'm like, dude, I swear to God, he got like... Uh, a, I don't know if I remember. I swear to God, he got attacked and he got injured in the leg. And then the whole rest of the movie, like, they don't even reference that at all whatsoever oh uh, you might be right i don't remember so i don't want to comment i can't remember. Uh, okay well but maybe well then okay so we'll put a pin in it <laughs> there it is there it is so they obviously figure out that like this whole thing is due to this witch seraphir mm-hmm. and they're like well i touched something I, in the woods this happened so we have to go back to the woods it's like let's go back and maybe we'll figure it out from there and i shit you not dude i literally shit you not they're able to find the corpse of this fucking witch in the woods in the same spot this chick <laughs> 400 years ago like for she's just the 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 bones are just laying out there randomly on the top of the leaves like literally that easy like we do get some cool imagery of teenagers out in this cool creepy woods with flashlights obviously you have to have that that's like you know classic slasher but i was like okay like that was that easy for you to do that yeah that was one of those things where it was just like super convenient and i mean i don't know if you want to call it lazy screenwriting i mean definitely an argument can be made for that but it was just convenient because you would have to add another layer to this thing if they were like digging up, you know, corpses and like, you know, it would just be a whole nother element to the movie as opposed to them just going back there like, oh, OK, this is what we need. And then going back, you know, yeah. so that's kind of what they decided to do. And it probably sped the narrative along a little bit faster. So I kind of gave that a pass. But I did remember thinking like uh, the bones are just fucking there. Like they're literally they just, you just see the like, skull going sitting on there on top of the leaves like, yo, we yeah. just left this bitch out. Out here man she's fine just leave oh her out here god man if only the goodies had had it that easy i know right please. seriously the home would be over in like fucking 20 <laughs> minutes but i mean um so the movie moves forward here we after i have to mention a, a quick poltergeist reference i i appreciate that these references are in there but yeah you, you have to look at it from an outside perspective and go well when they're thinking of set pieces for this thing you know them being in the woods like what's going to bring atmosphere what's going to be cool for them to do hey let's put them in a neon mall hey let's let's put them in the woods Hey, let's put him in a hospital. Next, we're gonna let's go back to a school, and you know the school and this the scene in the school hallways luring in the evil with blood. For some reason, I don't know if you saw. I'm pretty sure you did. Was really reminiscent of another throwback flick to horror books we loved from our childhood. Scary stories to tell in the dark. That oh yeah, uh, that absolutely, and that of course Stranger Things, which they fought the Demogorgon in a, in a school in the first season. I mean, mm-hmm. must there always be an action set piece within a high school? I enjoyed it, but I was. Was like we also saw it in freaky from last year i was like they keep yeah there was a lot of uh and i don't know like from a timeline perspective when this was filmed in relation to freaky but i did find myself kind of comparing the two a little bit especially in this section of the movie uh, and i know there's a kill coming up that you'll probably want to mention that reminded me a little bit of a kill in freaky as well that i absolutely fucking loved so oh, yeah yeah i was kind of comparing the two i don't know which one was filmed first or if it's just coincidence perhaps uh but that was another movie which is crazy because that's a new movie that's a 2020 movie so yeah um that was interesting too that they kind of borrowed from that even a little bit yeah they definitely did well i mean it's kind of hard within the genre to not repeat things and that's why i don't hate on stuff so much when we've seen it before as long as they bring something new and fresh to it or they do Mm -hmm. it with a a great impact to satisfy my needs um you Mm -hmm. know it's just all about execution you know how well did you do it um and in this case you know a lot of stuff kind of fell by the wayside and really didn't do as well as it could have been. Um, But, you know, 
you, you got to give credit when it's due. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree, man. I mean, I think that if we're going to get into the run of the kills when they get back to town here, I thought that the, the innovation started to kick up a notch a little bit. We started to see some some really like bloodthirsty moments that us horror fans love. And then people that tune in just casually on Netflix on date night to just Netflix and chill and watch, you know, watch a horror movie are going to like do the cringe thing where they cover their eyes, but they're going to be super entertained by it. Right. And we did get a nice we did get a nice run of those in this section of the movie. Um, it was that it was like a bread slicer that the one that she went through, right? Was that what that was? Oh, dude, I can't even tell you enough, man. Like my my fucking score for this movie, I was like literally sitting there like, okay, please, please do something. I was begging this movie to finally satisfy (laughs) my urges. And when it happened, I jumped out of my fucking seat. It was a meat slicer. Meat slicer, okay. And dude, obviously, I mean, we're already there, so we might as well jump to it. We can skip around wherever, but... Sorry, I didn't mean to jump. No, 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 no. It's okay because in the school, I mean, obviously, shit builds up. We've got like a fucking quasi Jason killer in this motherfucker, too. Sackhead Jason, if you will, with like the most cheap looking fucking. Yeah. I mean, I have that flannel shirt in my closet. They could have done something better. Sorry, Chris Nelson. I know you're amazing at what you <laughs> the do. Night, the Nightwing killer. The Nightwing killer. But, but I mean, um, the kill at the end was definitely like that moment for me where I was like, okay, you, you didn't pull any punches there. And in the genre now, it's very rare for us to get them to go that far. You know, it's fine to do like a knife through the chest thing which is what they did for most of the movie sure we get knives in the chest we get stabbings and we get throat slit and shit like that that's a normal thing we see in these these modern takes on retro movies but it's very rare to get that dirty and gritty b-level slasher on the kills so seeing that like i said i jumped out of my seat i was so excited i cheered i was like thank you so much it is definitely very reminiscent of what we saw in terms of the saw kill in freaky Sorry to spoil that for anyone that didn't see that. Um, Nah, yeah. But I mean, the movie does start amping up in the school. And I just wanted to ask you, because this is obviously a topic of discussion all over the internet here, um, that underage lesbian makeout scene, hot and heavy in the school. Mm -hmm. Uncomfortable? Were you okay with it? They're supposed to be like underage so i mean they're not yeah, they're they're not um, yeah the actresses aren't right yeah, yeah no um i don't know i mean I, I didn't actually know that was a topic of discussion online i guess i didn't think about it so i guess it wasn't a big deal for me personally um you know i, I mean, didn't buy this relationship to begin with so that was probably a, a problem for me in terms of being able to really get into it it was just kind of one of those things that was happening i mean I, I didn't think about it so until you just told me that i didn't even know that was something because well, they were discussing, but they didn't just go there they went there hard and the the thing is, and I was like really actually trying to separate the things in my head, like they look real young. But then I looked up how old they mm-hmm. are. Uh, Kiana Madeira, who plays Dina, is fucking 29. And yeah, she and she literally <laughs> looks like she's 16 in this movie. And right. Olivia Scott Welch, who played Samantha, is 23. So there you go. Yeah, I was like, yeah. OK, so like they're not the one thing that I was going to praise this movie for is they cast people that actually looked like that age when within the era of slashers. Obviously, everyone in Scream is like in their early to mid 20s and shit by the time you know yeah, they're supposed to be in always high school. a thing it's always I mean, been yeah. that i mean literally there's a joke about it in scary movie like yeah you gotta cast like 30 somethings to play high schoolers but yeah no i just again this movie's definitely targeted towards people that love the older 90s slashers and for a new audience which is going to be teenagers so it's going to be acceptable but yeah, yeah I mean, there's this whole thing about I, underage underage well i guess the thing is is like why did it's uh janic right is the filmmaker That's why right. did janic put it in there you know did she what purpose does it serve for the movie is it gratuitous in nature i don't think so i think i think she was trying to build a connection of the audience with sam and dina you know and they were she was trying to get us to buy into the relationship throughout the duration of the whole movie and that's when it kind of culminates in that moment with them and we're supposed to be there at that point so i think it was put in there for a legitimate reason for the overall storytelling of the movie i don't think it was put there for a gratuitous reason just to see two underage girls make out well you know well, definitely I mean? not. So, I mean, I mean, we don't see any I don't nudity look at, at it, all, but right, I don't look at it that way. So I'm not saying you're doing this. I'm just saying, like, if people online are doing that, I feel like maybe they're trying a little bit too hard to find something there that's probably not there. Uh, and then, like you said, I mean, they're pushing 30 years old. So yeah, I mean, it's not like you're I, actually I just, watching. You know, the, the, I think it was more of like a, a moment of attempt at romance to show how much these yeah, two care exactly. about each other. Because like within exactly. the next five minutes, there's this 
moment of sacrifice that I felt absolutely no emotion right. for either of them during when, mm-hmm. you know, right. basically uh, Samantha's like, I have to sacrifice myself because that's the only way to stop this whole thing. And like, right. no, you just have to die. Then we'll try to bring you back. Uh, <laughs> then we move on to, yeah. you know, the ending climax. And I can't tell you enough how much I love this setting. It appears somebody is a big fan of Scott Spiegel's 1989 Intruder because it looks, it's yeah. shot, it feels exactly like that slasher super underrated slasher you know sam raimi's in it a lot of great kills a lot of great atmosphere um i haven't seen that in a fucking long time dude, man i need to i need to revisit it's that so much sure. fun dude it's so much fun and i loved i really loved seeing the old school hollow halloween decorations in there you know on top of seeing the mm-hmm. the classic halloween masks earlier in the mall you had the classic yeah, pumpkin pails in there. Um, I did not, however, uh, even attempt to look to see if they put any 90s era cereal boxes in there because I doubted immediately that they went oh, yeah. for that that attention to detail. Dude, anytime I watch anything 80s or 90s and they're in a grocery store, I immediately look, whether it's was shot then or after, like, yo, Sugar Smacks didn't have that, you know, label on the front yet. Nope, Lucky right, Charms was different. Right. Tricks was still the shapes and not the balls yet again. So I'm always looking at mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. But um, it definitely amps up. And this is the only segment of the entire movie I felt where it was actually slightly impressive to me, where it was like, okay, this is, this is where you get to the gusto. This is where you get that nitty gritty deep in your shit, man, blood and guts. Let's do it. Um, skull mask gets some hairspray and a lighter to his face. You know, that meat grinder kill. Um, and then holy fuck, they went there, dude. We get an ax with severe impact to the head. We see two main characters mm-hmm. killed off and I'm like, okay, finally, you finally gave it to me. I knew yeah. a few people were going to die, but we didn't know until that moment how and with what impact yeah i mean to piggyback on what you just said i agree with everything you said but i mean i'll just add like i wonder if the pacing could have been a little bit better throughout the duration of this movie because i it sounds like we're eye to eye in terms of like just kind of waiting for something to happen and then when it did it just fucking all happened at one time and i love the last act of this movie probably more than anything else just because of all the great kills we got and callbacks that we got i thought the very very end was really cool kind of the cliff hanger because we know we're getting another one um this week actually so i liked all that stuff like i would say i don't know if i had it i didn't time it but maybe like the last 20 minutes of this movie i really enjoyed more than anything else and it's because of a lot of stuff that you just mentioned i mean they really like caught up with themselves from this kind of slow kind of monotonous um you know because it was a really intricate story that they were trying to tell us about this like old witch and like you know the, the curse and obviously it's connected to two other films so they probably are giving us stuff that we're going to see later you know that we're going to be like oh okay that's what they were talking about so we did get a lot of exposition and a lot of you know dialogue and storytelling which is okay if it pays off in the other couple films but at the same time you're sitting down to fear street 1994 because you love 90 slashers do you know what i'm saying that's so you're right sitting there going that's it you're sitting there going where the fuck are all the where's all the fucking murder do you know what i mean so it was cool that it finally like just came to fruition in that last 20 minutes so i agree with you 100 man this was uh this this section of the movie really raised my score of this film because up to this point i was just kind of like i mean it's okay but it's just not doing it for me. And I, I really changed that. I agree with you. And I, I, I get the homage. I get the reference to what was, I mean, again, Scream hadn't come out until 96, so 94 it wasn't even existent. Actually, oh. horror movies in general and slashers were dead in 94. But I, I appreciate it. I, I appreciate them being appreciated. They've been being more appreciated even more uh, lately with a lot of movies like Hellfest and Freaky and Happy Death yeah. Day. And we've been getting a lot of movies that are definitely referencing Scream. Um, we're getting the new scream uh, early next year, but I just wanted something more like, give me some, okay, an ax in the head. It's good. Cool. A lot of knife shots. Like I know that's what they can do and they don't want to go too far. They don't want to go too deep in the B movie trash where there's like real actual true Tom Savini style effect gores and stuff like that. It's like, I mean, come on, I, I want a little bit more out of this, but I'll take what I can get because I'm fully aware of why they do what they do. And this is the world that we live in. This is how it's done. Uh, the movie ends and we're like, OK, everything's cool, but it's not really. And then <laughs> what's funny to me is like Samantha's mom comes to pick her up from the, the police station and she's like, I'll see yeah. you. I'll see you tonight. And I'm like, girl, your ass is grounded. You ain't seeing anyone tonight. Um, and then we do get that oh shit moment at the end. And I was like, OK. 
that's fine. Like, she comes back, and there's still that evil fucking demonic force within her, and the witch is uncontrollable. You cannot stop this witch, Seraphir. She's going to be, a, obviously, an object of focus throughout the entire three movies, so cool. Uh, I think they introduced her in a cool way, and good enough. We didn't need to see any more than her, other than the flashbacks and the cool imagery. Which I appreciated. They didn't shove her down our throats other than what she was doing. We didn't see like anything more than that other than like the power that she has and what she's doing to the town. So it'll be cool to see right. in 78 and 1666 what they do with that character and the mythology and the story and everything. But overall, it does sound like you and I are pretty much even keel on this shit. We're on the yeah. same level. Um, I, I liked a lot about it. I enjoyed a lot about it, but I found myself being just as disturbed by my frustration with it like how much more they could have done and I think that's the same thing with most of these throwbacks where at this point Gerald 10 years ago I would have been like yes best thing in the world Mm -hmm. I've seen so many throwbacks since that moment where they're just trying extremely hard to be like remember Scream this is it remember I know what you did last summer (laughs) this is it remember Halloween this is it and there's so many different things in this movie that could have worked better had they just taken a few steps back and thought it through a little further and said hey we want you to care about these characters let's write it a little bit better let's have these performances more at the forefront and also let's do something a little more original hey we can still be an homage but we're going to do something on our own and make this fear street thing our own i don't know because i didn't read the books but one of the main criticisms i've heard from people that have read the books is that it's not enough like the books that it's more just like hey Mm -hmm. we're using the name as brain recognition and just let's make a scream 2.0 type thing so i don't know you don't know because you didn't read it um i didn't read them either yeah but i'm not sure either but but that's definitely a thing. That's definitely a thing that studios do, though. So I wouldn't surprise me. You know? They do it with fucking everything, literally, even if it doesn't even remotely yeah. consist of anything that has to do with the, the brand at all. They're like, just throw it on there. People remember that from the fucking 80s or 90s or whatever it is, and we'll make money off it. But, you know, right. I, I wish that I could have seen this in the theater. I don't know if it would have played better for me. It probably would have, actually, but you never know. Can't look back. It is what it is. So I'm going to give my rating on Fear Street 1994. I was going to say 1995 because they picked the wrong year with all the wrong songs and shit. Could have been the same fucking right, thing. Yeah. Could have been the same fucking thing. It yeah. just called it 95, but um, then they would have had, to, you know, had Batman Forever shirts on and Kiss from a Rose in there and they would have satisfied me even more. But on an Epic Film Guys rating scale, I'm giving it my lowest possible rating score, a six out of 10 for me. Uh, that ending, if it wasn't for that meat grinder, literally this thing would have been an epic fail, but it gave me enough of what I want out of these movies right at the end there to go, hey, listen, we thought about you. We gave you this. Here it is for you so gerald what about you man what's your rating on this thing i'm literally lockstep with you man you know i'll just mention a couple things that we kind of touched on throughout the conversation but i mean i think the production's design was great you know you mentioned the town when you were talking about that scene earlier you know i thought I thought they did a really, really good job. I like the way it was shot, too, especially from such a young director. I thought, you know, I have a lot of respect for the way the film was shot, you know, despite some of the, in air quotes, homages that we see, especially in the opening scene. Uh, I did like the way that she had use of the camera and the cinematography and things like that. Um, Trying to remember back to 94 is tough for me because I was stoned, (laughs) but (laughs) I do love... I do love the costumes and the aesthetic of the film because it did, you know, there was a lot of nostalgia there for me. Even though the soundtrack is a fucking banger and every song in it, almost every single song I love so much back in the day and I still do. I just thought they were overused. I think you could have gotten away with maybe five or six of those songs spaced throughout the movie instead of putting 30 of them in the first like 10 minutes of the film, which is what I felt like they did. I should have counted them for this because I know there was a fucking lot of them. Listen, there's like um, fucking 50 songs in this shit. Fuck it, man. Yeah, I know, right? And, you know, I already mentioned how the performances kind of fell flat for me. I didn't really connect to any of the characters. Um, you know, it's not that I thought the acting was bad. I just didn't. There was not enough backstory and build up to these characters and their relationships for me to be invested as a viewer. So I was just looking for the kills and they didn't happen until way later in the movie. So I feel like the pacing was a little bit off as well. You know, I do recommend the film, especially if you're like me and Justin and you like 90 slashers, I think you should check it out. If you haven't checked it out yet, it might be cool to watch it as a triple feature. I'm really looking forward to 78. That's probably my most anticipated in these three films. So I'm really looking forward to that one this week when it comes out. But I'm going to get right there with you. I'm going to give it a six out of 10. You know, if we were doing 0.5s, it might be a 6.5, but... 
but I'll, I'll lean closer to the six than to the seven. So it's a six out of 10 for me as well. Well, that's it, film fans. Ladies and gentlemen, I just want to take the time real quick to thank my boy Gerald, two Ps, for hopping on here and reviewing Fear Street 1995, which is what it should have been called. <laughs> um, in terms of like recommendation, six out of 10, but you know, it, it's hard for me to yeah. tell anyone that read the books to watch this because from what I've read and what I've heard from friends, it's nothing like the books. But if you like 90s slashers, if you like slashers at all, if you just want to throw something on and have a little fun, like I know for most people, that's what they're coming at this with is like, hey, it was fun. Yeah. It was some decent characters. It shot well. The score sounds like fucking Scream because it should because it's Michael Beltrami and everything else. You know, um, it's a little derivative of those movies and slightly more ripoff than homage. But I did have fun f- for some of it, you know, and it is what it is. It's 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 definitely not on the level of like a freaky or a happy death day. But, you know, I liked some of it. I, I, I liked I liked the killer. It'd be cooler if he killed people in more interesting ways. But I get it. That's the world. Now we can't be too brutal or it can't come out and you can't watch it so that's it for this but gerald will be joining me we're going to be doing these for each segment um whenever we get the time to so you guys can listen to those because i'm actually really excited for the next one 1978 i'm just worried me too. Yeah. i'm just worried that i hope they're not gonna be playing fucking motley crew songs in 1978 we'll see yeah you know i don't know man I, i'm because i mean when american horror story did the um you know friday the 13th-esque season that they had that was one of my favorites so i don't know it can be done right where it can be an homage and not be a ripoff i know that's such a fine line that you walk but i'm hoping they do that you know in 78 Ooh, it dude. looks badass the trailer looks bad it looks though, it looks so. good we got the same jason-esque baghead character that we had in this one in there and uh yeah. oh man i i tried to do that season of american horror story and that first episode was great and then from there immediately immediately made me fucking gag myself and then fucking have to go take a giant <laughs> shit all over my tv because i was like "Ooh, you just yeah, i haven't watched you built but i have I haven't watched a lot of TV, um, but I enjoyed that season. I know what you mean, though. It was kind of like overkill. Let's throw everything episodes, in there that ever existed yeah. in the genre in exactly. one episode. But no, it's cool. Um, and I get it. That's to try to get people engaged and stuff. But usually, like much like this movie, uh, try hard does not always mean that it's good. Right. But, you know, that's what it is. And obviously, we've got the 1666 episode, which a completely different era, which is why they're probably saving that for last, because it's, it's the least interesting to millennials and Gen Z and Gen X and everybody else that grew up watching these horror movies so we'll see what that's like but ladies and gentlemen thank you so so much for listening and gerald if anyone listens to this show that is not familiar with you your show what you do tell them where they can find yeah. you man well thanks again for having me man this was a lot of fun and uh, i really enjoy talking about this movie with you I enjoy talking about anything with you honestly but right now as you know i'm doing a lot of content creating over on youtube that's adjacent to my podcast so i'm trying to send as many people over there as possible because also all of our podcast episodes are going to be on YouTube in like a video format where I record with my guests and then that's on YouTube and then obviously it's on the podcast as well so you can get that from there also so just go to youtube.com slash two peas on a podcast and that's TWO spelled out and you can subscribe over there get alerts do all that stuff and then there's also links to the show and everything there as well that's me though I have a guest host every week we do a top five usually centered around movies Justin's been on a number of times and oh yeah we have a good we have a good time over there on two peas so that's where you can find me but thanks again for having me man hell yeah and if you like what you're hearing today and you've been listening to the show for a while and you're like hey man i want to show these guys some props head on over to itunes and please 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 throw us a five star review it means so so much to us it shows that you're listening and that you'll take fucking two seconds to talk about it within like you know a little bit of text and throw it up there and we'll uh, be happy about it so that's that and also make sure to follow us on social media at epic film guys on facebook instagram and twitter literally everywhere up your mom's ass as well you can't find us anywhere else we're everywhere else baby and that's that for this episode of the epic film guys podcast so thank you so much for listening and until next time we will see you at the movies motherfuckers (laughs) 